his AAE teammate, freshman against freshman, Swanigan against Davis, Swanigan ties the game at 72. Clock picks, Corn sounds, ball game, Notre Dame is moving on to the Elite Eight. Rebound Hayward, and Butler wins it. Butler's going on to the national championship game. Going to set a high ball screen between the circles is Kamenecki, penetrating off it is Xavier Turner, a drive and kick, Kiapwe, he tries a three, and he nails it, and we're the Marine. It's going bananas. Welcome into the Crossroads Podcast. My name is Alex Thomas, alongside me, Parker Stewart, talking all things college basketball inside the great state of Indiana. IU, Purdue, Notre Dame, Butler, Ball State. It's been a little while since we've done one of these. Um, if you're a new listener, we try to get one out once a week, um, roughly an hour long. Listen as much as you'd like. Give us your input. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter at Alex underscore Thomas 17. And Parker? Uh, at Parker Stewart 3. So join the conversation. We'd love to hear what you have to say about college basketball in the state of Indiana because we're having another great year, Parker. Another really great year. A surprising um, year, really. A very weird year. Um, high expectations for certain teams, low expectations for others, and it seems like everyone is doing what they were not supposed to do this season. IU is supposed to thrive. They're falling apart lately. Purdue was supposed to sit in the middle. Caleb Swan against a potential player of the year. Notre Dame was looking average. They're possibly going to win the ACC. And Butler looked to finish sixth in the Big East, is now tied with Villanova for first. And it's just... Not a quick note: Notre Dame was supposed to finish seventh in the preseason ACC standings, and now they're in. Uh, they're tied for second. So, the team we started with, Indiana. Uh, we always give them the start because, I mean, they it's are the state school. we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so you kind of got to do that. Um, what's going on with Indiana? Let's let's dive into this because start of the season, beat Kansas, lose to IPFW, beat North Carolina, are rolling potential number one overall team and then start off the Big Ten season the opposite of how they did last year by dropping two of their first three, losing at home to Nebraska, having to win on a buzzer beater at Penn State. I mean, just all this stuff that that Indiana hasn't had to face. So what's going on there? Well, the first, the first thing we're going to look at is has Thomas Bryant taken a step back this year? And when we look at the team last year compared to this year, his stats – really aren't that big of a difference. This year, he has better stats than last year, even though I'd argue, and I think you'd argue the same thing, that IU's team last year was better than this IU team this year. Um, Still averaging 11.9 points, 7 rebounds, 1.6 blocks. Last year, same amount of points, 5.8 rebounds, and uh, not even a block a game. So stats say no, that he hasn't stepped back. But actually watching his game, he doesn't seem as big of a powerhouse as he did last season. I think that's because IU doesn't, they haven't found their true point guard, their true leader up front. You know, James Blackman Jr. is that guy right now. And maybe Josh Newkirk, and we'll talk about him later on. But in my eyes, I think that Yogi Ferrell really made the, the big difference in how Thomas Bryant performed. And his stats say that he has performed better, but really I don't think he has been the big powerhouse that he was last season. I agree. I think it is largely in part due to the departure of Yogi Ferrell. 
Um, I mean, the, the you, you notice Yogi, well, one, he can drive. He had great ball handling skills, and he had a great IQ for the game, really able to see the passing lanes and get it to his big men. The number of times Yogi drove baseline, jumped like he was going to fall out of bounds, and just handed it to Bryant for a dunk is astronomical. He had he shot 72% on his two-point field goals last year, last year uh, and this year it's simply not the same. Um, I do think that's a factor of without Yogi Ferrell, but for him to accelerate not only at IU, but to turn himself into the pro prospect many people believed he would be, he has to be able to create his own shot. The NBA is, is all about creating your own shot, um, especially as a big man. We understand that, that fast-paced offenses you know, result in a lot of open jumpers, but at the same time, look at the greatest big men in the NBA right now. DeMarcus Cousins doing it all by himself. Anthony Davis doing it all by himself. Carl Anthony Towns, the best player on a young team, but still creates a lot for himself. Retired Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan, created for himself. Shaq, created for himself. Those kind of guys. The guys who can't create for themselves are named Roy Hibbert and lose their starting jobs. Are named Tyler Hansborough, Tyler Zeller. I mean, the list goes on and on. The guys who don't create shots for themselves end up being low draft picks and, uh, and really don't pan out in this league. So that's the biggest thing for him, and I think that's really what has hindered IU so far. Because OG Ananobi's stats weren't as mind-blowing as I think people thought they would be. And I remember we talked to Zach Osterman last semester, and he said, you know, he, no, they're not eye-popping stats, but he's a player who contributes in every step of the way. And even though he wasn't averaging big numbers, what the effort plays and the defense that he provided was huge. So with Bryant not stepping up offensively, that has hindered. Blackman cannot carry this team all the time. Blackman is an excellent shooter, but when he's not hitting, he's really not hitting. And that's the problem. Now, I will say Blackman had an incredible game against Michigan State this past week. I mean, was absolutely on fire. 30 points, finished with a tie for his career high. It was excellent. But now that OG Ananobi has gone down with a knee injury, how far can James Blackman right now, as really the sole leader of this offense, take them? I know you're not going to like what I'm about to say, but probably not very far. If he can't be at a consistent rate uh, shooting-wise, you know he's averaging 18 a game, and you mentioned his great game against Michigan State. He's obviously talented, but if other guys can't step up to help get points on the board, then I don't see IU going very far, not even in the Big Ten tournament, but not in in March Madness, even if they make it there. He's a great shooter, has great range, he has a great basketball IQ. He He has all the fundamentals to be a great player, but now, since OG Ananobi's out, all the pressure is now on his shoulders, and we'll, and, I, and we'll see how it pans out. And that's the other thing. Last year, you saw when Blackman went out with a, a very similar injury to what, to what OG has. IU put together that big winning streak, and it ended up propelling them into the Big Ten Championship. Is this a similar situation? You know, a huge win. A huge win. For IU at home against Michigan State. I know Michigan State's not the perennial power they usually are this season, but that's still a very good team. That's a top five recruiting class with a Hall of Fame coach. That's a tough team to beat, especially when you're without what some people would say is your best player. Um, so you pull out the 82-75 win in Bloomington, and my thing is, is this a similar situation? Are we about to see over these next couple games? I know, I mean, IU plays at Michigan on Thursday, plays at Northwestern in, on Saturday, Saturday or Sunday, um, and then they've got Penn State and then a, a trip up to Madison to play Wisconsin, Purdue at home. I mean, they've got a couple easier games. Northwestern is up better this year. But are we about to see a run here 
where IU is able to maybe upset Wisconsin, maybe upset Purdue, and put together a string of five or six games? Is this a similar situation to what we saw last year? I think when you look at the schedule, it can be. But when you're talking about who's injured last year and who's injured this year, it's a different story. Um, IE was really able to rally around Blackman Jr.'s injury last year because of the leader that they had of Yogi Ferrell, um, ultimate team leader. When you look at OG stats across the board, he's the only player on the Hoosier roster with stats above one in each category. 11 points per game, 5 point or rebounds per game, 1 assist, one, or 1.3 steals, and 1.3 blocks. So he's just, a, he's just a stat monster, really. Not high up in each stat, but he still gets stats in each category. Um, now, if all the guys on the team can get a couple more points, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals, you know, um, the whole package, I think that IU can really make a run late in the season and then, you know, have confidence going into the Big Ten tournament. And you mentioned who they have to play. They still have to go on the road and play Michigan, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, and Ohio State. Um, you know, plus home games against Purdue and Northwestern. Again, we'll see how it pans out. I don't think that they will make a, a, a super huge run um, and have confidence going to the Big Ten tournament. I don't think it'll be the same as last year. I'm never confident with IU in the Big Ten tournament. They, they don't perform in the tournament. It's pretty simple. Been knocked out early the last couple of years, regardless of how good their team was. Um, but the way the roster shakes down a game at Michigan, this Michigan team is not what it was when they were I mean, this is not the same team. Not a very good Michigan team. Northwestern is better, but IU is still a better team. And Penn State at home, who you've already beaten on their road. If IU can pull away those three games, I think that they will have the momentum to pull off an upset in Madison. It'd be incredible. It'd be great. IU right now needs another upset on their resume. They really do. Well, I think the only upset they have left is Purdue. Wisconsin. Well, besides Wisconsin. If they get the Wisconsin win, even though it's great. You, know, I mean, it's you go on the road in and, and, and Madison and, and upset the Badgers. But you need that home win against Purdue to really solidify your run into the Big Ten tournament. I agree. Um, and the Wisconsin, whether they play with win, beat Wisconsin or not, IU has two great wins, but they've also got a handful of very bad losses. Um, the loss to Maryland really sticks out to me. Maryland's a good team, but that was one that was clearly within reach for IU and that they should have won. Um, and the win against Penn State's good, Michigan State's good, but you need that one to really push them into the, into the bracket. They have to do that. Um, I want to conclude... On two more points, um, I do think Indiana makes the tournament. I think the Big Ten is an excellent league this year, um, especially with Northwestern stepping up. I mean, the talent is across the board, not as necessarily as top-heavy as it was last year, but you've still got Wisconsin, Purdue, IU, Maryland, Minnesota's doing well this year, Northwestern's having a better year. Ohio State isn't as bad as they were last year. Um, it's a tough league, and it's a tough league, always a tough league to win in. So I think that IU will get to it, get to the tournament, but we talked about they need a point guard. I don't see James Blackman as the the point guard of the future in this season because he's a shooter. He's not a creator. Yogi was a, a creator, and if he needed to take the big shot, he could. And he, and he did. Yes. Executed it very well. Yeah. I don't believe in Josh Newkirk. He has really, really disappointed me so far this season. Um... One guy I do like is Curtis Jones. He, he tends to be inconsistent. But if I'm, if you're sitting there and you've got the next couple games at Michigan, at Northwestern, at home against Penn State, push for Curtis Jones to get more minutes. You give him more minutes, build some confidence. He has shown that he is an X factor. He played well against Michigan State. He played well against Maryland. 
He played really well against Kansas and, and could be a, a major reason why that team won. So if you know that he is he is comfortable playing point guard, Robert Johnson is not. Josh Newkirk doesn't look like he can handle it in the Big Ten. So what I'm saying is push for Curtis Jones to play more. Thoughts? I'm going to disagree. In favor of? Josh Newkirk. Uh, Pittsburgh transfer. I think when it comes to late games in the season, you need experience. And Curtis Jones, you're right. The X factor, he has come in and, and made a big difference. I will agree with you on that. But I think that, especially playing for Pittsburgh, you know, a team that is not doing so well this year, but historically, their program has been great. I think that experience that he has from Pittsburgh coming over to IU, the things that Tom Crean has taught him and understood, I think give him a chance for a couple games. You know, they have 11 games remaining. Put him in for a game, game, game or two. Doesn't pan out. Yes, I, my second choice would definitely be Curtis Jones to, to lead them, to salvage their point guard uh, troubles this season. My thing is that does he really have experience? I mean, you're looking at a guy who transferred, had to sit out a whole year last year, played for some bad pit teams, and didn't play that much when he was at Pitt. He transfers here. He has no experience in the Big Ten. He has everybody as much experience in the Big Ten as Curtis Jones does. The Big Ten and the ACC are different, especially if you're a bottom dweller in the ACC, which is why I don't give the experience to Curtis jo- to Josh Newkirk and why his shooting is erratic and it's inconsistent and it's his defense isn't enough to make up for it. And that's my biggest problem is that Curtis Jones, if he's hitting, is an offensive guy that teams don't know how to stop. He showed it in high school. He can score the basketball. Josh Newkirk just isn't a prolific scorer. And I think that when you have guys like James Blackman and Thomas Bryant on the floor, you have your leadership. Curtis Jones is the kind of guy that I think has the poise to be able to run the point, but I don't, I think that that's why he needs experience these next three games. Give him some confidence. Show him that you believe in him as a point guard because look at the roster for next year. He is going to be the point guard in Indiana next year. And the guy who I think he's going to be throwing it into is going to be Deron Davis. And, and this may be a bit much, but I think Deron Davis has put together a better year than Thomas Bryant so far. The question is more reliable, and I think it depends game-to-game situation. Um, as, as if you're comparing any two players, it depends on the game that they're in. Okay. But in my opinion, I think that if I was Tom Crean and I had to put one player in the game, I would put Thomas Bryant. I don't think it's a, it's not a question for me. No, no shot is taken at Deron Davis at all. I agree. I'm not saying necessarily, but right now you look at Thomas Bryant has been inconsistent and his numbers are down. His shooting percentage is definitely down. He, we mentioned he can't really create his own shot. Deron Davis, here's the thing you have to remember, is Deron Davis didn't have a summer with this team. He had academic stuff going on and had to stay out in Colorado. to do. I think it was, what it sounded like was summer school. Um, so he gets to Indiana in the fall, plays in the, in the Kansas game, and then all of a sudden now he's putting together a nice Big Ten season and has given me a lot more confidence that if Thomas Bryant is crazy enough to go to the NBA, because I think he'll be taken in the second round if he get, if that, then Indiana's going to be fine off. Deron Davis has some nice moves down on the post. Defensively, he's a shot blaker. He's the all-time leader in shot blocks in the state of Colorado. Um, and for me, if I'm sitting down there, there are times this season where I have looked at Deron Davis and said I would rather have Deron Davis get this ball down on the post than Thomas Bryant. So, Which to me is, is enough to mention. Would you have, would you have Curtis Jones and, and Deron Davis your starting lineup? Why not? Not here. 
Game at home against Penn State. That's would what you I put think him in for it. Wisconsin? I wouldn't start no. or Purdue. No, okay, I get that. Curtis Jones, I would, but not a combination of the two. You would put Thomas Bryant in for the bigger games. Yes, I, I would, I'm not saying I'm not saying that Deron Davis shouldn't should start over Thomas Bryant. All I'm saying is that it is something where we said Thomas Bryant is a potential All American, and the freshman who didn't have a summer workout with this team at times looks more comfortable than the supposed All American. And the other thing about Thomas Bryant is his whining. He's immature. Not, not necessarily off the court. He hasn't done anything to, to signify that. But on the court, he... He's a very emotional guy. He is, and he whines about every call, and that gets old. There's a time when he has to grow up and own up things and say, okay, it got called. Who cares? Time to go down and play some tough defense and make it count. Um, so that's my thing. Is I just... I think it's worth mentioning that... that when you look at Deron Davis and you look at Thomas Bryant, there are times that Deron Davis looks more comfortable. And that's huge. That's huge for this team, not only for the future, but this year. It's a, it's a disappointment this year, but looking to the future, it's very bright if yeah. you look at Deron Davis and the potential of Curtis Jones. And I think confidence is going to be the big thing that Tom Crean's going to going to preach in the last 11 games. If you really want to make March Madness and you really want to make a run in the Big Ten tournament, you have to be confident each and every time you go out on the floor, whether it's home against Penn State or you're on the road in Madison. Correct. Absolutely correct. All right, let's head to the bitter rivals. Let's head to Mackey Arena. Um, Caleb Swanigan is deserving of Player of the Year right now. I mean, I didn't really pay attention to it because I, you know, I in the Indi- Okay, we're both from Indiana. There's no denying that that you lean towards certain teams. You're a Notre Dame guy. I am typically an IU guy, but I will root for any Indiana team, even if Purdue is in the tournament and no one else is. I would root for Purdue to go farther. To me. I want Indiana to represent. I love this state, and that's the way I feel about it. But Caleb Swanigan, what he is doing is massive, especially in Big Ten play. His 20 and 20 games against no competition, exhibition things, I don't care. Okay, that's great. And then I started thinking about it, and and people said, oh, a lot of his 2020 games came in those exhibition games. I go, well, how come every other great player in the league is not doing 20 and 20 in those times? And Caleb Swanigan's not a big dude. Like, he's, well, he's a big guy. He's bulky. He's round, and he's bulky. But he's not like a... He's not Isaac Haas. He's not seven foot tall. Yeah. He knows how to rebound. He's not like... Isaac Haas can stand around the rim, and his wingspan is going to get you X amount of rebounds. Well, you'd think. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Swanigan, being able to pull down 25 and 17 at Michigan State, that's Unbelievable. I've been so impressed, and Purdue has found themselves uh, a real gem in Caleb Swanigan. And I remember the conversation last year. Is it Swanigan or is it Bryant? Who would you rather have? Yeah. Everybody talked about that last year, and obviously I would rather have Caleb Swanigan on my team. As an Indiana yeah. fan, I will say I would rather have Caleb Swanigan. Definitely. Um, you know, the, the four 2020 games he's had are very impressive. More impressive, he's had 17 double-doubles this season. Which is just unbelievable, to say the least. Um, and he is a legit player of the year candidate. You have Josh Hart. You have Frank Mason the third. I might even put him up above Frank Mason the third. Oh, as of right now, I know Josh Hart is the number one team. And, and, and in the recent polls, he's in at number three. Swanigan. I believe it. I, I, I think he is every bit as deserving... I think he's absolutely going to win Big Ten Player of the Year. 
people are like, oh, Ethan Happ looks great. <laughs> Line their stats up next to each other. It's not even close what Swanigan's able to do. Um, but I think that it's going to come down to wins, and, and because he plays for Purdue, and Purdue's not a top-10 team, hasn't been a top-10 team this year, hasn't really run on, gone on a huge thing of runs, he's not going to get the recognition. Josh Hart is a defending national champion. Hit the ga- Did he hit the game winner or was it Chris Jenkins? It was Chris Jenkins. It was Chris Jenkins, sorry. Josh Hart's on the defending champions, Villanova, preseason had, number one. He had, I think, close to 40 points against Notre Dame at home. Like, he has the – which Villanova is usually a quiet guy, quiet team. Yeah. They usually don't – you know, they don't put out – You know, they're, they're, they're always a one or two seed team, but they're not, you know, oh, I'm picking Villanova to win my national championship if I'm filling out my bracket. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's just, I think we're underappreciating Swanigan and this week he finally got some love from ESPN, but the guy's averaging 18.8 points a game, nearly 13 rebounds, almost three, three assists. He's got 16 blocks on the season. I mean, come on. What more has this guy got to do? I think that if, 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 Purdue is is capable of pulling off some upsets, like an over over Wisconsin, that that could do it. Um, you look at their next slate of games. Um, they've got at Nebraska, which is a big game. I mean, that's, that's a tough game. Northwestern at Maryland at Indiana, Rutgers versus Michigan. I mean, they don't. They've already they already beat Wisconsin. At home, their their uh, Big Ten schedule is is not the toughest. Um, I mean, yeah, it's tough to go on the road at Maryland and at Indiana back to back. But I mean, they have they play Nebraska twice. Excuse me, no, they play Nebraska once. Play Northwestern twice. Play Michigan twice. I mean, they play some of the bottom feeders a lot. Um, and they play Indiana twice, which those will be big games. But let's say Swanigan develops and plays huge in those Indiana matches. I mean, the guy is every bit as deserving as anybody else you could name. Um, for Purdue, a three-point loss to Villanova, a seven-point loss to Louisville, and a win over Notre Dame on a on a central court. Their tough losses are Minnesota and Iowa. And that's Knox against Swanigan because Josh Hart hasn't lost those kind of games. Josh Hart's lost to, Vill- lost to Notre Dame. I mean, excuse me, Butler. And that's it. And then they just lost the other night against Marquette. But um, that's the thing is that, that Swanigan is without a doubt the best player in the state of Indiana, without a doubt the best player in the Big Ten, and what I think without a doubt the best player in the nation. Um, but he's not able to do it alone. Josh Hart's also a senior. Yeah. So he has two years under his, under his buckle of experience. Yeah. Um, but when you look at Swanigan, who needs to step up for Purdue to take a step forward? I don't know if you'll agree with me, but it's Dakota Mathias, and he's averaging nine points a game. But this guy is a really, really good three-point shooter, very underestimated in my opinion. The Boilermakers have good, a couple good three-point shooters. Ryan Klein's very incons- inconsistent. He's only averaging four points, um, and most of those are from the three-point arc. But another guy is Isaac Haas, and averaging 13.5 points per game, which is great. You know, you're the second-leading scorer on the Boilermaker team. But it's expected... 
and I don't want to go too long on this because we've talked in, in our in, in every podcast about this. It's expected when when you're seven foot two inches tall that you should be grabbing more than five rebounds per game. Vince Edwards is averaging five. He's six inches smaller than than Haas. I don't know Haas's wingspan, but I'm assuming it it's like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. You know, he's huge. Um, he's still a disappointment to me, despite being the second the second leading scorer. So the guy that I think needs to step up and will step up is Dakota Mathias. I agree. I think Dakota Mathias is huge. And Greg Doyle had a great article about Matthias being the glue for this team. Greg Doyle, the Indy star, um, had a great article about him being the glue for this team. And he, defensively, he's a huge presence. Three-point shooting, he's a huge presence. And um, I agree with the Isaac Haas. Um, he's second on the team in scoring. But when you're that big, Isaac Haas, I just don't understand how Swanigan is able to be such a good rebounder and not pass any of that off to Haas at all. If Haas had half the ability to rebound, the know-how to rebound. He's also 290 pounds. Haas? Yeah. It's almost a 300-pound human being. Yeah, at 7'2", and he's only averaging 5.2. Broad shoulders, big hands. I think the only argument that I can make for why Swanigan gets more rebounds is because he blocks out much better. You know, know, his basketball IQ is just so far above Isaac Haas. Exactly. He knows how, he knows positioning of rebounding. It's like, people think that rebounding is all about the ball just falling to you. Ask Caleb Swanigan about that. When he sees a shot goes in the go go up in the air, I think he knows which side it's going to be going off, unless it's going to go straight in the net. You can yeah. tell when someone shoots if it's going to bank off the front and come straight down, or the left or the right. Yes, and he, he yeah he just knows that. And Hosh should be doing this, and and Haas has been a disappointment. Um, I I have no love for Isaac Haas. Um, if he was able to expand his game, Purdue would be a top five team in the country. Um, they're they're hurting in other areas, and with PJ Thompson, you know he's an average point guard at my, at best. But that one two punch in the big in the front court could be deadly, and it's just it's lackluster because of Isaac Haas not doing as much as he should be doing. He should be a superstar in this league. Um, but back to Dakota Mathias, he's a guy who when you look at when you look at the Purdue team, and in terms of their statistical leaders. Swanigan, of course, dominates, um, but Matthias, fifth on the team in scoring, he averages just almost 10 points, um, but he only shoots about seven shots a game, which I think is impressive, um, and his three-point percentage is third on the team, but he's shot by far the most. Yeah. Um, he's almost, he's a 47% three-point shooter, he's a good free-throw shooter he's as well. He's 46 from the field, from just the field. Exactly. And he also is able to pull down about four rebounds. So he is not in the same way, but the same type of player that OG Ananobi is for Indiana. He does everything. He does a little bit of everything. And, he, and that's okay because that's what they need. And you need those guys that can do that. And that is why people call them the glue. But we've praised Caleb Swanigan. We've praised Dakota Mathias. We've ripped Isaac Haas a new one. How far legitimately can this Purdue team go in the tournament? I only say Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight. I don't see them going. Past you don't see, that. like you don't see them as a Final Four. I do team. not see them as a Final Four team. See, I agree. And no, they're really good. Like they're they, great they defensive are incredible. team. Incredible. A great defensive team, but offensively, outside of Swanigan, 
That is a lackluster roster. I mean, if we're talking about Dakota Mathias stepping up, he's going to have to step step up big. They need a reliable number two option that can create their own shot. Swanigan can do that, and he, he had a great move against Miles Bridges against in Michigan State game. Went all dirk on it, off the back foot. Just a beautiful jumper. And the guy's a big dude. He doesn't look elegant like Dirk does. All right. And, but, but then kind of going back to Isaac Hostis, I was sitting there watching that game. Isaac Hostis 7-2 was going up against a 6-8 former walk-on in Van Dyke for Michigan State. And Haas was getting eaten alive by this guy. Haas could not get the ball because Van Dyke was too quick. Would swipe it away from him. Van Dyke was able to box out and drew a couple over the back charges. Calls on on uh, Haas. I mean, if those kind of like Haas is a similar player to AJ Hammonds in that he doesn't have a desire. And that's probably a problem that that culture created with Hammonds, where he just didn't play hard. When he is playing hard, you can see the difference. Swanigan plays hard all the time. And that's why he's a Player of the Year candidate. I don't see Purdue as a Final Four team either. And I could be proven wrong, but as of right now, Caleb Swanigan is the hottest player in college basketball, and he's right here in the state of Indiana. Now we head even further north, up to South Bend. Um, <laughs> Notre Dame keeps surprising. Are they a legit contender in the ACC? Like, like for real. Could beat Duke, could beat North, out North Carolina, can beat out Virginia to win the ACC. The outright ACC or the ACC championship? The outright AC, the ACC championship, but like the, the, the tournament ACC or the regular, regular season. season. I don't title. think they will win. I don't. I, I think they definitely could, but I don't think they will. Um, You'd have to get a win at Virginia, and they don't win against Virginia. And we'll yeah, we'll discuss that in a little bit. Um, I mean, I th- I think they can beat Duke definitely in their upcoming matchup. Um, North Carolina is going to be a struggle. It always is at North Carolina. Um, you know, we all know that Notre Dame is, is a great home team. And they've proven that they can go on the road and win in the likes of Clemson. Um, and they went to Florida State and lost by three. You know, Florida State is, after the new rankings come out, they'll be in the top four. Um, because right. obviously... Florida State got clobbered last night. They did, yeah. They did get clobbered by a, a, a now 12-8 and eight Georgia Tech team. Um, I think that was, uh, to be honest, I think that was a little bit of a fluke. Um, obviously just had an off night and, you know, every team in the nation has that. Um, so I think they can, but I don't think they are a legit contender right now, unless they get wins against Duke. They need to win at Virginia. I don't think Duke's going to win. I, I, I've knocked Duke out of the race for the ACC and to be quite honest, cause I think the competition is too tough with Florida state, North Carolina, Virginia, and Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is not legit to win the regular season title. I think they will be a top three finisher. And again, we'll sit there saying, how the heck did Mike Bray do this? But how, that's my thing is, is that Bray is an excellent coach. I think he's the best coach in the state of Indiana, just barely over Chris Holtman. But it could this, this season be his best coaching job ever. I think that it is already his best coaching job ever, despite what results they have yet to come in the March Madness or the ACC tournament. But here's my thing about when you say that, if they get out in the first round of the tournament, you have a team that's very similar in the talent level as last year, and that team went to the Elite Eight last year. 
So how can you say that this one would be better than last year's? You had Demetrius Jackson and Zach August. Okay. Both were incredible players last year in regular season and in the tournament. But you didn't have VJ Beecham as the scorer he is now. In the NCAA tournament, we did. He he came out of nowhere in the NCAA tournament. He averaged like eight or nine points in regular season, which, you know, that's okay. Came out, breakout, breakout performance in the NCAA tournament. Um, I almost, and, uh, you know, this is probably just me being an Notre Dame fan, but I almost drool over what he's done. You know, you have, look at the losses they have. Villanova, at Villanova by eight. They were leading most of that game. That's a tough loss. Cause they at were Bank, at Banker's Life, a neutral location, they were crushing Purdue at, at halftime. Came back and, and let the lead slip. At Florida State, one of the best teams in the nation, lost by three. Um, they won at Pittsburgh and... You know, that that was an impressive game when it happened, but now Pittsburgh has fallen off. They lost by 55 at home against Louisville, which, yeah. geez. Um, number nine, Louisville at home, Clemson at uh, home, and Syracuse. Um, and, you know, all those teams are average. Louisville's, Louisville's good. Louisville's good team. Clemson and Syracuse are average this year. Um, my big thing is that Mike Bray knows how to develop players very well. Um you still have Bonzi, Steve Astoria, VJ, VJ, VJ Beecham has progressed very well since the tournament last year, and we'll segue into Matt Farrell. He, uh, yeah, no, that's a huge part. And Matt Farrell, you look at Matt Farrell, and if you did not know what team he was on, but watched him play in an empty jersey, I'd say kid plays for Butler. He's a Butler type player. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he's scrappy. He's a great outside shot, and he's just an he's he's a bright player. Um. Sort of similar to with Yogi Ferrell last year, that kind of able to enhance the players around him. Um, Yogi had some more of that scoring. That's why he was at mm-hmm. All-American. But Ferrell, what he's able to do in, in terms of spreading the floor and helping Bonzi Colson, Steve Asturia, and VJ Beecham in their offense, while putting points up himself, has been incredibly impressive. And I think he is the reason that Notre Dame has found such success this year. Oh, for sure. If he wasn't the point guard that he is... I think Notre Dame would be right in that seventh in that seventh spot in the ACC, like they were predicted to be. I, no one thought Matt Farrell was going to be as good as he was. Um, you know, the guy came into the NCAA tournament last year. Mike Bray had faith in him. Obviously, he started uh, all four games, three points and four turnovers in the first half against Clemson. Mike Bray went into the locker room. He challenged him um, to go back out there and be the leader that he knows Farrell can be. He responded, came out, fifteen point seven assists, no turnovers in the second half. Um, and he actually transferred, or he almost transferred at the end of last season, um, thinking that he wasn't get, get, going to get enough playing time. Um, and to be fair, he had to, he had to wait his turn. You know, he had Jerry and Grant and Demetrius Jackson in front of him. I would have transferred if those yeah. two players were in front of me. Bray called Farrell into his office this offseason and said, this team is yours. Run with it. And he, he is totally doing that. And Jay Billis... Um, ESPN college basketball analyst thinks that Farrell is the most improved player in college basketball. Thinks he's the legit dude. And I agree. I think he is. You know, watching him run down the court, spread the floor, lead his teammates, you know, make those excellent passes. Um, he has great decision making. He never leaves your he never leaves your face when he's defending. You mentioned he has great he's a Jersey boy. He he just possesses some fantastic quality. In Non-conference play, well, well, correction, overall in the season, 
He's averaging five and a half assists per game and 14 points. You narrow that down into just ACC play. He's averaging 15 points and five and a half assists. So assists have not gone down. He's cut down on his turnovers. He has increased his steals average in in play. He's narrowly rebounding better. But I do agree that his, his defensive presence is huge. Um, he's also shooting better. He's just improved. Shooting like. 43% in overall and 50% in AC, ACC play from the three-point range. That's impressive. Those kind of numbers are the reason that Notre Dame has found success. Um, and I think as you look down the stretch, you're going to watch Matt. He's fun to watch, too. You're going to watch Matt Farrell play, and you're going to say, yep, I get it. Totally get it. That's why Notre Dame's so good. Um, who – so Farrell, I think, has to continue playing well, not necessarily step up, but the combination of Farrell, Vastoria, Beecham, and Colson has turned into the – this foursome that is offensively very good while maintaining it on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but because when you get outside of Farrell averaging 15 points, the next highest score is TJ Gibbs with five points. I mean, it really is those top four. And then there's a, there's a drop off. Which, which bench player needs to improve and become sort of a six man for this team. And I didn't think about this question um, really because I thought I didn't know it was going to be the bench. So, I'm going to go ahead and overwrite that, and I think it needs to be one of those four players that needs to step up more than he has been, and it's VJ Beecham. Um, he needs to be the guy for the Irish that he was in the NCAA tournament last year. If they're going to make it as, even close to as far as they were, you know, he finally had that breakout game against Syracuse, 30 points, um, tie career high. And I'm not saying he needs to have 30 points every game uh, for the Irish to go far, but he needs to have more than his average of 14 points. Um, what I've noticed watching when the Irish are down and down bad, which hasn't happened often this season, Beecham has almost disappeared from the Irish offense. It's, it's led by Matt Farrell, and it's gone down to Bonzi Colson and Steve Astoria is taking the threes, and Matt Ryan coming off the bench is taking the threes. And I'm not sure if he's scared to get the ball because of pressure. I'm not sure if the pressure is getting to him, but when they're down, he's almost lackluster out of the offense. I think it's got to be Temple Gibbs, TJ Gibbs. Um, as a freshman, like I said, he is leading the team in scoring for freshman. I mean, off the bench, five points. Um, as well as he's second on the team in assists. But for me, Farrell's got to come off the floor at some point. If, if TJ Gibbs is able to keep this offense going, it completely changes this team. Um I think it's pretty simple as a freshman. If you're able to step up, that's usually a big thing. But I think the point guard position is pretty much locked down for the next couple of years with TJ Gibbs. I've been impressed with what he's done so far in this young season. Um, we'll conclude on Notre Dame with some, they lost to Virginia this past weekend or past week. What was it? Yesterday, Tuesday, Tuesday, they lost to Virginia. So 71 54. Um, is the only ACC team the Notre Dame has not beaten under Mike Bray. Why? I don't have an answer. I really don't have an answer. Um, and I saw some stat that popped up during the game, and it was a ridiculous stat. Under Tony Bennett, this is his eighth year as head coach. Yeah. There's something like 
162 and 34 when they score more than 60 points. When they don't score 60 points, they're 24 and 45. So if they get over that 60 point mark, I'm counting them as my winners. And I believe they have gotten over 60 points every time they've played Notre Dame. So I, that's my only reason for why they haven't won. So sitting there watching that game, I was thinking, Tony Bennett is so great at recruiting four-year players. I mean, you look at Joe Harris when, when they stepped up. He was a four-year guy. His senior season, they were able to put it all together. And then Malcolm Brogdon, who's putting together an excellent rookie season for the Bucks, Superstar, potential player of the year last year. Um, and then you look at Gill, who they've got now. He's in his senior season, leading the team in so many different ways. I mean, he's able to do it without superstars, and that is is huge, especially for their defensive mindset. Um, I just think that they're a tough defensive team, and, and I think that Notre Dame lacks the playmaker that they've needed to get away over Virginia. Jerry Grant is a great playmaker. Demetrius Jackson is a great playmaker, but they're not superstars. You know, they weren't. They didn't come in being prolific scorers. You mean their freshman season? Yeah. yeah they no. developed their offensive game at Notre Dame. And Mike Bray, and yes, Tony, Tony Bennett is a great four-year recruiter. Mike Bray is also a good four-year recruiter. Mm-hmm. That's why you don't see any one-and-dones that come from Virginia or ACC, mostly, I should say. Duke. Duke's really the only one. Right. And that's the other thing that's interesting is that Duke has transitioned to that style of recruiting. And yeah. it, it won him a national championship with Okafor and Tyus Jones, but didn't do much last year with Ingram. This year, they put together the number one class. It's absolutely insane. Mike Krzyzewski just banned all his players from wearing Duke stuff because of they're playing so terribly. Um, so I think the ACC is wide open, and Notre Dame, that defense is so strong, and Notre Dame is, is an offensive-minded team. They, they score as a team. That's why it's spread out amongst those four guys. They don't have one guy that scores 25 a game. And it's always been that way. I mean, even with Jerry Grant and Pat Connaughton and Zach August, they all shared the rock. And Vestoria stepped up when he, when he needed to as a young kid. Exactly. You didn't have Connaughton and Grant scoring every point. And that is, is what I think is necessary for a team to beat Virginia. You need that superstar college player. That's why Duke has been able to beat them. That's why North Carolina has been able to beat them. Um, that's why a handful of others have. That's my the only thing I was I was sitting there thinking about it that I think would would even remotely make sense. We close things up here heading in Indianapolis with the hottest team really this season, the highest ranked team in Indiana. The, the Butler Bulldogs. Would you say they're the biggest surprise in all of college basketball? Pick uh, off the top of my head, yeah, I can't really think of another big surprise, but this really irritates me. Um Baylor is a big surprise. Oh, yeah, Baylor's huge. But Baylor's been consistently good. Yeah. Um, Texas Tech has done pretty well. Creighton in the top 10 kind of had some guys develop that you had no idea were there. Um, So for me, I don't think they are the biggest surprise, but they are definitely in the conversation for it. And I think they're going to make a run again in this year's tournament. They're always going to make a run. This is a. But last year, I mean, last year you had. You had Roosevelt Jones, and you had Kellen Dunham, and it just it, but it just it didn't feel like it last year. You didn't sit there and look at Butler, and they were inconsistent in play. This year, they're consistently a power. They pull out the games that they don't play well, and they pull out victories. They're able to beat top teams. They've done it against Villanova, and that's the thing with Butler is that that, that 
they have every bit what it takes to win the Big East over Villanova in terms of talent. Will they get some help around the around the league and letting Villanova lose a couple? I don't know. But do they match up talent-wise where in a one-on-one game, I think Butler would win it as they already have on their home floor, but obviously that leans that way. But I don't think that was a fluke. That that wasn't a rare thing. Like Butler has every bit is every bit one of the best teams in the Big East and every bit one of the best teams in the country. Um but here's the question that I pose to you is who's the most important player to Butler? I don't think it's I think it's a no-brainer. It's it's Kellen Martin. See, I disagree. Who do you think it is? Kamar Baldwin. Okay. Cuz I think Kamar Baldwin Kellen Martin was expected to do all this. Was expected to score. He's not blowing anybody out of the water. No, he's only 16 points per game. Yeah, and Kamar Baldwin was sitting right around 10, correct? Yeah. Um, and that's why I say, I mean, he's had big shot against Northwestern. He had a big shot a week ago. Um, he is the type of guy who we, we wondered who was going to be the number two player on this team. It's The question has been answered. It's, it is it, very, very clearly Kamar Baldwin. And as a freshman, he's able to provide so much to this team that it really is a game changer. Um, and in terms of scoring, like I said, he's just around 10 points per game. Um, just behind Andrew Travis at 11. And, and Keelan Martin, who's at 16, which 16 is good, but not nearly, uh, not very many assists. And this team really, as a team, doesn't get many assists. I mean, the, the leader is Andrew Chavez, who was... Harold is one of the best post passers in the country, but Kamar Baldwin is able to bring an intensity that I think Keelan Martin doesn't necessarily have. He's more of a mellow player, whereas Kamar Baldwin is able to step up in the big moments, give 25 minutes a game, shoot the ball 52%, 47 from three, and 84% from the free throw line. He's the best free throw shooter. He's the best three-point shooter, and he's one of the best field goal percentage shooters. Um, so I do think he's the most important player to this team. That being said, I think that the step-up of Keith of, of uh, Keith and Savage, Tyler Lewis, Nate Fowler, uh, Tyler Weidman, I mean, all these guys have stepped up. Sean McDermott have stepped up, and that's why Butler's where they are, because all these guys have started playing well. So I didn't even I didn't think we need to ask the question of who needs to step up for Butler, because everyone is doing it. That's why they're being successful. But with this season and what Chris Holton has been able to do in the last couple of years, is he now in the same realm of the Butler great as Brad Stevens? And before I answer that, I want to I want to take a step back and, and say something real quick, because a lot of people will say, wow, Butler just upset this team. Wow, they did it again. Why are you questioning Butler? Why are you so surprised? They've been upsetting teams, quote-unquote upsetting, since Brad Stevens was there. Mm-hmm. What upsets me more is that people still think that Butler upset top-ranked teams. They don't upset anybody. Butler, in my opinion, can go and beat anybody in the nation. They are a fantastic basketball team. Technically, yes, they upset teams because they're lower-ranked than the higher teams that they play. But this Butler roster is able to beat anybody in the nation. Uh, I cannot wait to watch them in the NCAA tournament because I think they're going to make a very, very far run. And getting to your question about Chris Holtman being in the same realm as Brad Stevens, I wouldn't necessarily say that he that Holtman is in the same realm as Stevens, and here's why. Brad Stevens created the culture of Butler basketball that we know today. 
Would you agree? Yes. Holtman then provided that hypothesis, or no, then proved that hypothesis that Butler basketball was, wasn't just evolved around Brad Stevens. Stevens made Butler basketball what it is today, and Holtman is just carrying on that legacy. No shots taken at Holtman. He's, he's a great coach, one of the best in the nation. But I think that since Stevens made what Butler basketball is today, this culture of bringing guys that not necessarily aren't top names, developing them, and you know, they're, each player is playing a huge role. So I would still say that Holtman is not at the Brad Stevens level, but he's still making a similar impact, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. Um, he's a very similar coach. And what's the most crazy thing to me is that Brad Stevens comes in, does what he does, leaves, and I am completely drawing a blank on who stepped in as the new head coach. It wasn't Chris Holtman. It was an interim. No, it wasn't an interim. They oh, had I thought a, it was. No, they had a, a different coach because he was an assistant and took over. Um, Brand, Brandon Miller. It was Brandon Miller. Um, he, Brandon Miller got hired as the new head coach. And Brandon Miller literally went mentally insane. Like he had mental health issues. And then Chris Holman steps in and he's a inc- incredibly similar recruiter to Brad Stevens. He's a similar coach to Brad Stevens. And he's created a brand that is every bit the same as Brad Stevens. That's unbelievable. And, and I think that gets taken for granted in the Butler world. Because What's... Chris Holtman... I, Yes, the, the knock will be was Chris Holtman got into a national championship game. Has Chris Holtman got into two national championship games? Back to back? No. But Chris Holtman beating the number one team, having done it, having having knocked off good teams in the last couple of years, he is one good tournament run away, a deep tournament run, like Elite Eight, Final Four, from being in the same discussion as Brad Stevens in terms of basketball coaching at Butler University. Um, and one other thing that I want to talk about is Andrew Travis. As we talk about the Butler brand, um, would you like me to run down the list of smart, non-athletic, great IQ, Caucasian big men that Butler has had? Go ahead. The great late Andrew Smith. That's who I was going to say. Is, is, uh, is Gordon Hayward, small forward. Not necessarily okay, big, he's, but he's pretty he falls athletic. in the same area. He's pretty athletic. Matt Howard. Where does Andrew Shabbos fall in that line? I don't know. I, I, put, I put Matt Howard above Andrew Shabbos. I agree because those teams went to the... But, like, this thing is that Shabbos, he, he's, he's an ugly dude. He's not a good-looking guy. Matt Howard was a good-looking guy. Hayward's good-looking. Yeah, that curly hair Smith's in the back. Smith's good-looking. And Shabbos is, like, every bit like them, just, like, dirtier. Not, like, in that, like, look, but, like, he's, yeah. he's, he's not a dirty player, but he's just kind of like that gritty. Gritty's yeah. a better word for yeah. it. A gritty player. And... I mean, Butler knows how to recruit those guys. They know how to find those guys. That's why I think Joey Brunk is going to be in a couple of years, a kid from Southport. He's a, he's a freshman this year. But he he's a, an excellent post passer. He can hit the big shot. He can go off for 25 points if he if on 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 a on a night. Like it's not unheard of for him to score big time. And I just think that's interesting to think about that you know, we think about those Butler runs and the and the big men they had. Andrew Shabbos is putting up the same numbers. Andrew Shabbos is creating the same amount of an impact outside of Gordon Hayward, I would say, on these teams. And I think Andrew Shabbos could be the key to a big run for the Bulldogs this year. Oh no, I'm in total agreement. Um, 
you know, right now I'd put him second or first of the best big men from Butler. Matt Howard's obviously up there um, with the with the tournament run that he made, but we'll see. I mean, it, it's it, it's very interesting topic that that you brought up. And let's close here on Butler. Butler is known for being that low life team that upsets everybody. Are we looking at a tournament here where Butler is a top three seed and gets to work from kind of the other side of the spectrum than what they've wreaked havoc in the last couple last See, now I'm laughing because you years. just said the word upset, and I just ranted on why that is a stupid statement. They don't upset anybody. But Do you not think Butler can go out any night and beat the best team in the nation? They have, they easily have I agree, have but the it's still players. an upset. Technically, because they're lower ranked. Numbers don't mean anything. Rankings don't mean anything when it gets to March Madness. I understand that, but Butler is known for being a team that is lower ranked and that takes down perennial blue-collar blue powers. Blue-blood powers, not blue-collar, blue-blood powers. I got, I got what you mean. Yes, I think they are going, which your question, to be a top three seed. Will they be a top three yes, seed? Yes, they will be a top three Are they three going seed. to get to experience life uh, from the March Madness tournament on the other side of the spectrum? Because, I mean, after winning, an, after getting to the national championship game, they were an eight seed the next year when they made the run. Yeah, I do think they'll, they'll live like life on the other side. But they're still not an upset. That is the biggest point that I'm making. I think they can go out and beat anybody in the nation, especially in March Madness. Chris Holtman knows how to do it. No shots fired at him, but the blueprint was 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 laid out for him. Not because of Brandon Miller, but because of Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens still texts him after each Butler game. So obviously they're great friends. They're in communication all the time. That blueprint blueprint, excuse me, was laid out. He's following that path to success. Can't fault him. That's fair. I agree with that. All right. We'll be back next week with more of the Crossroads podcast. If you liked anything you heard, tweet at us at ParkerStewart3 at Alex underscore Thomas17. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a listen on SoundCloud. Um, and the link will be out on Twitter. The link will be tonight. out on Twitter tonight. So go check it out. And uh, look forward to doing it again in a week and talk about the uh, the Indiana college basketball teams that are able to find success over the next week.